Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Ciappelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act, juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now to muse on our relationship with technology and how to redefine what society means in this new age. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marco Ciappelli. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Society podcast, where lately I joke about that every time that I redefine it, I have to start all over again because it changed way, way too quickly, our society. And part of that is obviously because technology is changing really quickly and we need to adapt and hopefully we need to drive those changes and not just being uh, carried around by those waves that lately, again, they come pretty fast and pretty strong. And I have to say, uh, and here's the, the drinking game, generative AI. So every time I say this word, <laughs> I guess somebody even laugh, uh, make a dollar or, or drink uh, a sip of whatever your favorite beverage is. But uh, we have to talk about it. It's really changing things. It's always in the news. Politicians are talking about it. Legislators, we are scared and excited at the same times. And if there is one place, um, which is the, the workplace, where it seems to affect a lot the future of how the workforce is going to to uh, perform and the judge and hired and leave with uh, generative AI. And so today's conversation is going to be quite exciting. We have, for those watching the video, you already seen it, Jonas, and I'm going to try the last name, Hungley Floyd. I hope I did a good job enough. He will tell me. And uh, and for those listening, yes, he's here. I'm not lying. Uh, Jonas, thank you for coming to the show. Yeah, thank you, Marco. Uh, really appreciate you having me. 
Um, so uh, I can do the the native pronunciation of my surname. It's... Please, let's learn the language here. Yeah. So in Swedish, I'm Swedish. Uh, my name is Jonas Angleflod. Or go. in the American version is like Jonas Angleflod. Okay, I got I got it pretty close. So. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. pretty I don't close. know what's the Italian version, but I think it's close to the. To I, the... I think you have to teach me that one. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do that after the show. I'll have yeah, a little laugh about that. But let, let's start from that, from the name, but mostly from the person that carries that name, which is you. So who, who is Jonas? Give us a little background about yourself and what actually make you so passionate. And and I know you wrote a book about the, the workforce and, uh, and, and, and especially now about AI. So yeah. a little intro about yourself. Okay, so the, the super short version, because I could probably talk about myself for the longevity of this podcast. But the short version is I've um, been in the basically starting uh, startups, running startups, taking them from, from the garage to scale-ups the last 15 years. I have a background in telecoms, and then I moved into SaaS, the SaaS business software. And currently, I'm group CEO of a digital media group. Uh, so um, my background is basically building products and organizations, scaling them, getting them off the ground, the first version, like proof of concept, scaling them, making them into companies that are actually, a few of them are actually um, um, quite successful now. So, so that's the short version of, of, of my background. But I'm uh, my passion around kind of the workforce and the technology comes from well, basically me being a tech nerd without having any of the technical capabilities. So I had to kind of survive in the tech world some other way. That uh, that way was working, managing, organizing, working with the business because I can't write code. Uh, I can't do anything, but I can understand concepts pretty well when it comes to technology and how it affects us. And I love the idea of taking something that is a, uh, a seed or an embryo uh, that has a possibility and stretching it into the future to see like what can we make of this that excites me and it excites me too i mean when, when you're saying these things i kind of see a little bit of myself in it because i ended up talking a lot about technology my back my background is sociology and political science so uh, but but i'm excited about all this thing happening and how they shape maybe i look a little bit more in general how they shape society and I look at it from a philosophical perspective, but we need that translation technology to humanity and humanity to technology. And that's why we're here talking about this. So I'm going to start with this because I know you wrote a book uh, about a couple of years ago. Uh, we don't need a date, but it, it was called Fast, Tight and Relevant, which is uh, three good advice for a company, <laughs> I think. So we can talk about that. But at the time, while AI was into the conversation, it wasn't so much into the news. Maybe we're talking about language, we're talking about translation, maybe visual application for AI. I mean, it, it seems like 30 years ago, but it was only like three years ago. And then this big change happened. So were you already envisioning this big change when you were writing the book or, or you have to kind of... Uh, adapt that concept to what the way you see things now yeah so i mean 
the, one of the things, and, and this, this comes kind of from, uh, this is for me personal, personally, I, I don't like the world uh, revolution because nothing is a revolution. Everything is a constant evolution of things piling up on each other. And the, the book Fast, Tight, Relevant was basically a, a, my recipe for how to build a small organization and, and make it scale. And those principles, which basically are like standardize everything, make sure that you have a working process on paper first, then you can scale it up, you can put it into code or you can accelerate it. All of those are foundations for actually using these AI tools. What, what AI is, is basically an accelerator, a smart accelerator of a working process or something that is already working. So I, I wrote, I was smart enough to write in the book that the tools that I'm talking about now will come become dated, but the principles make something work, standardize it, then you can scale it up. That will probably stay with us for a really long time, even through, with, through the AI age and whatever comes next, because it's kind of fundamental for taking something really small that you can do one of and making it millions or billions. So, so hopefully, but but uh, my, I'm at some point the book will be dated, and I have to update it, uh, probably. Yeah, well, almost every book, unless you write a fantasy book, and then it's your world. You do what you want with it. Yeah, yeah. Middle Middle Earth, let's say that. Uh, but okay. we're talking about reality here, so we mm -hmm. we need to keep into consideration again that we are redefining, reinventing, adapting to all of this. So I think your your approach is, is great. But before we go into maybe some some of the way that you see this, this adaptation happening, do we have some deja vu moment where, where we've gone through these um, changes, these kind of changes, pivotal changes, and somehow we're we're doing okay i mean certainly not perfect yeah. as a society but we're doing all right yeah so so um definitely and i i'm a, one of the people that want to kind of induce uh, or give some 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 sense of of peace uh, in, in this kind of the ai is coming if we if we kind of rewind back to november <clears throat> 2022, when when it became like it publicly exploded, everything I heard in the business sector was, "Oh my God, the robots are coming!" <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I don't believe that that is the case. I, I believe it's a it's a it's a super useful tool, and if we look at other pivotal moments that are kind of in comparison with this, we can we can we can we can go back to the to the early um, let's say mid 18th century with the start of the industrialization. I mean, the, the, the only thing that happened there is let's say that uh, the, the ability to create steam engine or, or water-driven industrial plants, uh, they changed society, they changed the workplace. Uh, let's, let's take clothing as a simple example. What happened basically was we could start producing lots of clothes that probably um, conquered out the local tailor and, and replaced the local tailor. But we didn't end up with one giant clothes, fac clothes factory in Great Britain alone, serving all the people of the world, because two other things happened. The price of production went close to 
to zero or it got drastically reduced, which made the demand store. So that gave us like the, 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 the idea of abundance. So the normal person went from having one shirt, one pair of pants and actually having to be without shoes during the summer, not to kind of wear the only pair of shoes you had out. We went from having that to, I don't know, how many shirts do you have? How many pants? More than what the... I need. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I mean, so so we went from 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 a place where this the the big scare was industrialization will it will kill the tailor and all the the local craftsmen and we will all be jobless. But that didn't happen, right? We came into a world where production cost was lower, productivity was higher, which made it possible for a kind of demand to soar and we could kind of clothe more people. Uh, and you have the same kind of um, pivotal mo moment with the automobile uh, when Henry Ford and Benz were kind of creating this idea. Most people, uh, probably more um, of the uh, intellectual elite, said that no gentleman would ever consider, consider a motor car anything else than a sports uh, uh, or a recreational vehicle. And now motor cars has been driving the economy with freight and, and everything like that for, for decades uh, or even century. So, so I think we're kind of standing in this pivotal moment uh, i mean the the entrance of computers in the workplace in the 70s the enter entrance of the, the internet in the 90s and now ai in in the 20s they are pretty similar and what has happened what is really interesting to draw kind of parallels from then uh, into the future is in all of these changes what happens is the price of productions has gone down some at well, it, we won't get hit zero. We will never do that. Potentially, uh, or theoretically, we could. But the price of production will reduce in terms of services, in terms of other things. Well, not only goods, but services and, and then anything else, which means that the demand can soar. <clears throat> and I think I think we're we're kind of facing that exact thing. So. If we look at the entrance of the internet in the 90s into the workplace, it took about 10 years in, 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 until something really happened. And, and what happened then was there was a birth of a lot of new uh, types of jobs. So the social media manager, the chief digital officer, the data analyst, I mean, those no one would even imagine those in the 70s. Uh, so, so I think we're, we're kind of, we're in a place where the demand for a lot more creative, hopefully playful uh, work types or, or work tasks is in front of us, which means that hopefully we can leave the mundane, dangerous and boring things or, 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 or data-wise complex things to machines and work with machines and guide them. And, and we've been talking about this in the organizations uh, that I'm uh, engaged in. I'm in a couple of boards for a few startups. So what we talk about is, okay, what does a day in the life of someone working in these organizations look like? I mean, what would you imagine? Um, I mean, today I, I use a ton of apps to help me uh, and I work with them 
basically with the same type of input that has been along since the 70s. It's a keyboard and a mouse. But the, the entrance of AI makes that user interface possible to change. This could actually be someone that I could, could converse with. So instead of me typing days on end, giving it assignments, just like, hey, could you help me write the TPS reports or whatever report you think are boring? Uh, uh, or could you could you gather these uh, th this information for me, compile it in a way so I can start drawing conclusions? I would move myself to work with more interesting, uh, maybe more creative things, finding things that would be an opportunity here and there. Uh, so so hopefully, what we're seeing or what we're kind of standing on the the threshold for is a more fun and more engaging workplace. Yeah, and a, a lot of good points, and maybe we can use some some example of concrete categories of works, because mm -hmm. here's what I'm thinking. I agree with you. We are in a constant evolution, constant change. We get excited, and yet we are very afraid of it. So it's kind of a paradox, my opinion, yeah. from a philosophical perspective, because like, okay, I have this job, um, I don't know, I'm the assistant and I'm the one that you tell me what to write and or what to summarize. The, it could be an intern, it could be whatever you want. And all of a sudden, well, you can do that with ChatGPT and actually mm -hmm. you can talk to it nowadays. And so this person feels threatened because like, that's my job. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? And, and like that, I feel like there are many that are on the line like there was uh, the people that, that drive the carriage and the horses when the cars come out, or the tailor, your example. So there is an, a certain category, and I don't want to generalize in terms of blue collar, white collar, that's white to, to white, in my opinion, but mm. maybe some example of how somebody in the organization can orchestrate the shift so it doesn't say, well, I don't need you anymore because I have a machine that does that for me now, but hmm. I, I can use your time in a, in a better way. Like in an ideal utopian world, um, that will be what the company should do, in my opinion. What's your yeah. take on that? I think that <clears throat> the Klondike area uh, or era um, will, will be the first couple of years where company owners see, hey, I have a massive opportunity to kind of mm. maximize profit here. So of course, there's going to be displacement to begin with, because it's easier to displace a person probably in the beginning than to reimagine what they're going to do to make, to, to, to come to a place where you, you, you can do 2x, 4x, 10x of that per person's time. So there's going to be uh, a short period here where where some company founders or some company uh, are are going to take that easy route but the the more smart one is to actually do as you say like how can we leverage your time into something that is more engaging for you and more uh more well produces more output for the company um and I, what we see when we talk about this, because there, you can you can basically today build an autonomous agent that would uh, do a data analyst, uh, go through pilot data, analyze it, compile it for you, which takes away a junior analyst, right? But that junior analyst could probably manage 10 of these agents. 
seeing cross-reference and um, compile, preparing, like trying to dig into the data to see where are their business opportunities here, not just like doing the mundane job, but actually to using what they probably used 10 or 20% of their time uh, to today, do that 100%, more relaxed, more creative to create more outputs. So it's basically, if, if we would envision it, uh, it's. It, I think we, we will come to a place where we have to uh, lift every worker to become somewhat of a leader, so you can lead these autonomous agents in in their work and and make uh, make something productive out of that instead of doing the tap work. Because I mean, at the office place today, I've been at both uh, small companies and medium sized and big companies. A lot of things that are happening uh, is copy pasting, moving information from one system to another. It's, that's something that that's not kind of engaging and doesn't really bring any value. So, but if I could if I could move myself to have ten of those agents doing that for me, I could work with how can we make use of this information or how could we compile it? What's the next level and next level and next level? Uh, and that's a bit more complex. What it does, it's, it takes away the, you know, the, the entry level or the junior uh, level uh, of the workplace uh, in terms of, I wouldn't say white collar, but service workers or, or knowledge workers. Uh, but it won't happen overnight. Uh, I think no company will adapt. Well, a few of them are crazy enough to say, like, let's go full AI and throw out all the humans. But <laughs> I don't think that the majority of the workplace would look like that because as we've seen, let's go back kind of, let's, let's view back again to the industrialization, the automobile, the computers, the internet, and so on. It took 10 to 20 years before we as an organization and humans adapted to the technology. The technology changes in an instant. It's kind of binary from one day to another. It's either worth, worthless or really good. But for us to adapt it and to adapt ourselves, it takes time. So I think we're going to have a lot of time uh, to, to make these adaptions. And the mind shift we have to teach ourselves and we have to kind of implement in organization is, is how do we train ourselves to become good leaders for these autonomous agents that do the mundane work? Yep, I, I I absolutely love that because you need to look at, and I do. I mean, I I play with ChatGPT all the time in my job. I mean, I I find way to get more creative with it. Uh, it's not just you know, yeah, write a summary for this podcast. Why should I? Mm -hmm. But I also don't just let to put out the 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 whole summary full of tapestry and and. <laughs> And dwell and all the words that ChatGPT <laughs> likes to use. I need to put something on my own as a creative person, and and I think that's the idea also to consider, like to what you say. You need to lead where the tool can bring you. It's not going to be the other way around. Otherwise, you're just going to disappear in the background, right? So, yeah, and it's still a tool, and and of course, <clears throat> well, the one thing that early on in the uh, when ChatGPT was launched. Everybody uh, that I talked with said like, oh, 
my God, the robots are coming, but hey, they're stupid because look yeah. at the output. Yep. So, so that was like, like a bit of hope and despair at the same time. Yeah. Um, but then they grew into, okay, but this is good. I can use it for this, but it, it can't do creativity. But I think that's a I think that's a, that's a, a dangerous thought because if we if we kind of move ourselves into the creativity corner and say that's a human trait you can't do that, well let's take a look at creativity. It's not a divine process. It's a it's a it's a logical process of deductions where you kind of take one thought and lead to another, lead to another, and at some point you say what if I do the opposite or what if this wasn't true, and then you lead it back and then you've created like. Then you have Monet, Van Gogh, or, or whoever. It's kind of a logical process. So at some points, these systems will learn creativity and, and start inducing that as well. So yeah. the only way for us to leverage this is to look at it in, in, I love the word augmentation, because that's actually where we're going. The, the industry machine augmented a worker so they could produce more clothes, more cars, more TVs, which, which made it possible for four for more people in the world to enjoy those kind of luxuries. Yeah. I think we're we're kind of we have to take this we have to from a kind of metaphoric uh, standpoint not be at the conveyor belt actually putting the things together we have to take a step back and and manage the robot that puts the things together. Uh, and and view ourselves like how do we do that as knowledge worker because that becomes abstract like that's leadership, mm -hmm. that's guidance, that's something else. So I think um, if, if when we've had these discussions in the small companies I'm in, uh, we've actually said like, okay, we're struggling with this, but what about a medium-sized companies, 500 to 1,000 employees? The HR department and the development department and the managers are going to have a really hard job in front of them figuring out new ways to train people to kind of take this step because yeah. it's super easy to say this is the instruction welcome to work this is the instruction this is what you're going to do go ahead and do it i'll check in at lunch yeah but you can't really do that if if it's more complex than that so yeah. i think we have a, a training and a, and a knowledge uh, transition um challenge in front of us I think it comes down to education and the way that we prepare people. Because we always said that you said can easily be applied to the education system, where it's happening a lot of uh, lawsuit for people writing using artificial um, and generative AI. Hmm. On the other side, there's people that those said nope. We don't want it. Others uh, say, no, we're going to use the machine to fight the machine. So we're going to see if it's being infringement and, and so on. And, and I think it's a wrong approach. The right approach is we got this amazing tool. Instead of say yes or no, let's, let's teach people how to use it. Which I can see a parallel between an educational organization as well as uh, any other business. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's, it's a cultural change that change that probably is going to take 10 years uh, 20 years to get there and but if you don't do that if you don't say i'm going to use this person as a human because has certain skills that the machine doesn't have but if i if i put together the machine with with a bright human that is empowered to find a way to apply 
this immense resource that you have, then then we can really elevate, I think, our our status yeah. and our, our life. Yeah, and I think I, I I'm I mean I'm always a positive person. I see a really bright future because I would love to have a few of these agents working with me. One doing the financial report, which I hate. One doing prepping the board report, which I hate. Exactly. One kind of doing data analysis and finding trends that I'm not aware of because I I cannot as a human have the possibility to see what is trending in Vietnam right now. I live in Sweden. My cultural references are Swedish. But an autonomous agent without the cultural references could definitely find me what's happening in Vietnam right now. And is there an opportunity for us to create something in that market that is of value for the market and the people living there? And so, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having morning talks with, with those agents checking in, like, what did you find yesterday? Okay, was it any good? Okay, yeah. could you look into more of that? Yeah. So it's more of a of, of managing these uh, uh, apps, say autonomous apps instead of bots or or AI agents, it, because if that's what it's it's kind of apps that you could talk to that behaves, um, hopefully like well trained um, uh, assistants. Yeah, and 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 there is the fear. We we grew up all with sci-fi and and. Uh, and the, uh, no, sorry, Dave, I cannot do that. Oh, hell, nine thousand, and and we expect that they're gonna take over, in a way or in another. And it, it is a possibility in the long run. I mean, that's why I just had the the meeting in the UK about that. We're talking about it. We need to talk about it. Uh, the the joke is sometimes when I talk to other people in the industry, especially in the cybersecurity one, is like, where is the plug? Like, what if something goes wrong? <laughs> How do I unplug this thing, right? When it's connected, but um, but you know, it's it's exciting. I think it is. Where where do you see it to go in the in the future? I mean, let, let's put it this way: What are, in your opinion, the the organization that will succeed? And is there a recipes a formula for that? And those that. Uh, really risking to fall into the cracks because they didn't do something to to move into the future. Okay, so let me start with a disclaimer because this is a famous last words type of question. Whatever I predict now will be wrong. <laughs> I know, but I like to end the conversation <laughs> with a look on the future with a team. Yeah, form. yeah, definitely. <clears throat> No, I um, the 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 companies and the or I, I wouldn't limit it to companies. I would say the organization mm -hmm. because this goes out to NGOs um, and foundations uh, and and everything anywhere where two or more people have to produce something together. The ones that will succeed with this are the ones that think augmentation. I have two kind of basic principles. Whatever I do right now is 1x of what can be done, which means I always look at how can I make this 2x, 4x, 10x. Uh, and, and with that mindset, you always kind of reset. This is where I am now. How can I double it for, for 10? So the, the organizations that view this as a super powerful tool, just as powerful as the computer was when it was introduced on the internet, uh, and think augmentation instead of competition. It's not human. It's not a human competitor. It's a human augmenter. They will succeed, and with that comes, as you clearly pointed out, education. Uh, we have to educate 
ourselves and our organizations how to use these tools and how to leverage them. We're still kind of dabbling with it. And that's also kind of society needs to do that, but educate and train people in how to, to manage because you don't, now you're not, you don't have to talk, you don't have to talk about or manage yourself. You have to manage someone else or something else. Mm. So, so hopefully I, I kind of I, I kind of don't like the the, the phrase self leadership that has been really trending for a long time because I think that's that's not the case anymore. We're talking about leading others is more important than leading yourself, mm-hmm. and and being able to train ourselves in how to do that, how to take that step, how to think. Okay, can I get you to do this? What do I do with the result? How can I get you to engage with? with someone else how can i how can i it's kind of more question based than actually ticking off to do's uh, on a to-do list um and that's the other mindset the the like self-leadership and productivity hype that's been uh going on for like the last 20 years you see all self-help books is like how to become more productive how to go become well we already cracked it you you don't have to be productive you have to be creative and you can let the machine be productive so hopefully we will get like the the ticking of the to-do list away and and hopefully as forgotten as the fax machine soon Uh, and I mean, so, so it's another way of thinking. It's it's thinking about how can I lead these agents, apps, or systems in a good way so they can produce a valuable output for me, for the organization, and for the world. Those who do that and and always kind of think of, of it as an organization, they will they will reap really nice benefits of this the next coming ten years. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with you and I love that and I'm thinking also again we, it starts with any sort of rewiring of ourselves um the the family teaching to the kids that you know those that have lost the opportunity of understanding how computer works but not in terms of how computer works I don't know but what they do and how to interact mm-hmm. with it that's an opportunity and then it came with the internet and you know, and those that instead of using your super powerful computer on your phone that now includes AI, and you're using it just to, I don't know, for social media and you don't use the resources that it has, I think there is a lack of education. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not embedding technology in our DNA and what we pass in our genetic. But I, now I'm going really sci-fi here, but I think eventually we will. We will be very used to interact with this machine, which now they're very scary. I know people that are like, I can't talk to my, to, to, <laughs> to an AI and then it answer back. I, I, I don't know. I'm scared about it. There'll be mm-hmm. a day they'll be totally normal. The, the, Jetson, the Jetson will be here and you will talk with robot. I mean, I, I think that, 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 kind of, um, that kind of fear is natural. That was the same fear as we saw when the when when Gutenberg introduced the printing press. It was like the fear of low quality text. It would flood the world with heresy and whatever. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Happen. It flood the world with literacy instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, the, uh, and the same with the the uh, the locomotive. 
the fear was if the body would move faster than 30 kilometers per hour, it would lead to sudden death. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. So I think we're, we, we always react as, as a society and as a species to change with a bit of fear. And I think that it's the same case here. Yeah, it's definitely the same case. But you, you have a point, and I think I, I want to point that out as well. Education and educating ourselves, not banning the tools in schools, embracing them in the schools is uh, is probably only the sure way to 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 make this beautiful potential stay beautiful. Yeah. I agree. And I think with that, let's finish on this positive note. And, uh, and, no, and let, let's not be negative. I think the news are already leveraging negativity against technology a little too much. So we're, we're yeah. going to do the opposite. We're going to be positive and stay like that. Uh, Jonas, fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate it. I hope the audience will take as much uh pleasure and knowledge that I got from this. So I hope they are thinking right now on how they can change their little things around or their company, their small business, doesn't matter. I mean, I'd say jump on it. That's my advice. And uh, and try to understand how to leverage that. And for you again, thank you so much. And uh, come back anytime. I, I would love to have uh, to go even deeper in, in this. We, we can talk a- about anytime. it. Anytime. I'd be happy to be back. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye, everybody. Be sure to subscribe, whatever you're watching and listening. There'll be many more conversations coming your way from Redefining Society podcast and uh, me. Take care. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, Then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.